Welcome, this is Jessica Ortner and our time together is dedicated to feeling good within all of life's complexities. We'll be going on a wandering path, exploring topics like spirituality, productivity, and personal fulfillment. Because happiness is not a destination, it's an adventure. So welcome to Adventures in Happiness. Welcome to episode 24. Thank you so much for joining me once again. This show, this man, oh, it's the best. Sean Stevenson. H- have you ever been out and you meet someone for the first time and automatically you're like, yes, we're going to be best friends. Like you just, you talk to them and within a few seconds you're like, yeah, you're one of my people. I like you. You're awesome. That is my experience with Sean Stevenson. We met, we talk about how we met and immediately I was like, you are so awesome and he's so nice and he's so generous with all of his information and he shares so much with us today. You may already know him because he's kind of a big deal. He has a great podcast, which if you haven't, you should subscribe to. It's called The Model Health Show. And he has uh, his new book has come out. It's Sleep Smarter, 21 Essential Strategies to Sleep Your Way to a Better Body, Better Health, and Bigger Success. So today we are talking about, you've guessed it, sleep. So we get it. Sleep is good for us. Most of us know that. But sometimes we think, well, is it, is it that big of a deal if I want to stay up late working on a project or watching the latest Game of Thrones episode, does lack of sleep really impact me that much? Well, the answer is yes. It's a very big, big yes. Lack of sleep, it impacts your metabolism, your hormones, and your immune system. Sean goes deep into that. What's also interesting is that lack of sleep has also contributed to some of the biggest disasters in recent history, like the Exxon oil spill. And even President Clinton admitted that some of his worst decisions were caused by lack of sleep. So when we talk about sleep, we're talking about improving your body, improving overall health, but also success, making better decisions. If you feel stuck, if you feel unmotivated, it's time to look at how you're sleeping. So like I mentioned, Sean is so generous with all of his tips and tricks. He shares a lot in this interview, so I hope that you enjoy it. And if you do enjoy it, spread it. Like I love to say, this is an act of love, so spread the love. And it's always so great to hear from you. So you know, reach out to me on Facebook, With any comments, you can find me on Instagram. It's always great to hear from all of you. Enjoy this interview. Welcome, Sean. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Well, we've been planning this for a while. We met, what was it? Was it last year already? It was was a long time ago. But a year, yeah, just a blink of an eye, really. I know, a blink of an eye. And we... It was at a party. There was a lot of people, and I feel like we just connected so fast, and we had so much fun. Uh, Instant besties. Instant besties. And so I'm thrilled to have you on the show, and I have to start by congratulating you on this big new publication of Sleep Smarter. It was already a best-selling book, and now it's even bigger. Uh, I want to talk about sleep, obviously, and I want to approach this in two different ways. So there's people listening who have issues with sleep and there's people listening who 
they might not think they have issues with sleep. So I want to learn how someone who sleeps okay can sleep better and someone who's having a horrible time can do something about it. But let's start by, I would just love to hear from you, where did this passion of teaching others how to sleep better come from? Oh, wow. That's such a great question to start with. Because it's really, this is a very, we'll just say it's not the sexiest topic. (laughs) And it's because in our culture today, you know, we can get really excited about the next new diet, you know, the fad diets, the the exciting new, you know, just drinking um, green tea for 27 days or whatever it is, you know, and then we can do the same thing with our exercise. You know, a lot of people can get excited about that. You know, the next new insanity program, the next CrossFit, whatever. We get pumped up about that stuff. But with sleep, it's kind of weird for us to wrap our busy minds around because you get so much more than both of those things combined by doing absolutely nothing, you Mm -hmm. know? So for us to just kind of settle down into the understanding that, wow, sleep is actually the force multiplier that makes my exercise work, that makes my nutrition work, is a huge shift in our in our belief system, really. And so what got me interested in it was, first of all, from my own personal experience, you know, just spending so many nights, and we haven't talked about this before, but I help keep Tylenol PM in business, you know? <laughs> I was struggling mightily every night for about two and a half years to just get a couple of hours of uninterrupted sleep because of this chronic pain that I was in. And it's kind of even weird to talk about it because I can't believe this was my life, but I was diagnosed with this degenerative bone disease. And basically my my body was breaking down from the inside. And my physician at the time told me that I had the spine of an 80 year old person and I was just 20, you know? And so this led to a lot of different health issues, obviously, but uh, the biggest struggle was every night trying to get some sleep. And the bottom line is, if you're not sleeping, you're not healing. And so ultimately, uh, through that journey, it was about two and a half year process of just waiting for somebody to help me, the next new miracle drug to come along, and it never happened. So I I had to really make that decision of was I going to keep shuttling my life off into the hands of people who meant well, but they they didn't really have the skin in the game like I did. They weren't walking in my shoes and them telling me there was nothing I could do about it or... I'm going to step up to the plate and find out how to get myself well and how my body works. And so ultimately, long story short, uh, I was able to completely reverse the the degeneration of my bones and in particular my spine. I had two ruptured discs that retracted on their own. I actually, I grew a half an inch in my height and I had lost, I had lost some height because of the degeneration. And so a lot of things were going well and that was really the birthing of my career. All this happened while I was still in college. And so students saw the transformation, my professors, and so they all became clients of mine, clients of mine ultimately. And I opened my practice, and it was over a decade in clinical work, mainly working as a nutritionist, but I started to see this pattern, and this is the second phase, and what really made this something I had to talk about was we had fantastic results for things like type 2 diabetes, you know, helping people to get off their metformin, insulin, things like that. Uh, high blood pressure, you know, helping people to uh, get off lisinopril and statins and to be able to just change things with their lifestyle that actually address the root cause. But no matter how successful we were, there was always this group of people, like 20% of people who wouldn't get the results that everyone else was getting, no matter how hard they tried. And it would really bother me. And I started to just kind of click one day, like, wait a minute, 
it's got to be something going on that they're not telling me. And so I start to ask deeper questions. I started asking about their relationships and you know how much this matters. Mm -hmm. I started asking about their stress levels at work. You know, I started asking about their relationships at work. I started asking about their sleep. And when people started to tell me about their sleep inside, I was just like, I look like Macaulay Culkin, you know, when he slaps the uh, <laughs> aftershave on his face inside. But outside, I kept the stone, you know, the poker face on. But I was just like, oh, my God, I can't believe that this is going on. You know, people are getting, you know, less than four hours sleep per night. They're struggling with um, their sleep cycles and, you know, staying up till, you know, three, four o'clock in the morning, then trying to go to sleep and all this stuff. And it was like, oh, wow, well, this is what the problem has been all along. And once we would get their sleep dialed in, it's as if the floodgates would open. And sometimes we saw faster weight loss in people um, who just made some shifts in their sleep than with people who were, you know, sleeping great, but also, you know, really following a very strict diet program because the diets weren't the deal. It was really the sleep. So I hope that answer your question it was my clinical experience and my, my personal experience and seeing how much it mattered. Yeah, you absolutely did. And we know that sleep is good for us, but I don't think many of us know just how important it is. You've obviously discovered this for yourself, but I think a way for us to understand why it's so important is to realize what happens in the body when yes. we aren't getting the sleep that we're meant to have. So can you talk us through what's going on in our body when we're not sleeping right? Oh, yeah. There's some good stuff here. So there was a great study, and there's so many studies that I cited in the book, but uh, all of them obviously couldn't make it in, but there was one done by the University of Chicago. And this should be, the real thing is, again, this isn't a sexy topic, but what is sexy is looking good. Like we all want to look good. We all want to be fit. And your sleep has a huge impact on this. And so University of Chicago did a wonderful study and they had the individuals in a study get on a pretty strict diet program where they were really tracking them. And the catch was in the first phase of the study, they sleep deprived them. So they got five and a half hours of sleep per night or less. All right. So first phase, strict diet, five and a half hours of sleep. Now, second phase of the study, now they're on the same exact diet program. Difference is they're allowing them to get eight and a half hours of sleep now. And what ended up happening was they ended up losing 55% more body fat when they got eight and a half hours of sleep versus five and a half hours sleep. So 55%, that's insane. Yes, that is, see, that's a big number. Yeah. That's a really just kind of jaw dropping number. They didn't work out harder. They didn't count more calories. They simply got more sleep. And that is a big, that should be a big flag for us to start paying attention. Like, wait a minute, I've been investing my time in the wrong thing to try and get fit. There, what's going on here with sleep? So here's what's going on behind the scenes when you get sleep, when you get good sleep and when you don't as well. So one of the biggest players here in changing our body is our hormone function. And there is no more powerful influence on what your hormones are doing than your sleep quality. End of story. And so your sleep quality determines the amount of human growth hormone that you're producing. And this is really known as a quote youth hormone. And this is why kids tend to have a lot of energy because they have a lot more human growth hormone. And parents are oftentimes just watching their kids and they're just seeing them running around like crazy. And it's like, get down, Billy, stop, don't pull your sister's hair. And, <laughs> you know, just like their kids are so full of energy and the parents are just on this kind of weird, slow decline. And according to the research, we have a drop in our human growth hormone production around the age of 18 to 20. And my argument is that something else happens during the age of 18 to 20, which is we go to college or we leave the house and we start not... Um, 
not abiding by a sleep schedule anymore. And once you disrupt your sleep schedule, automatically your hormones are disrupted. So number one is a drop in your human growth hormone, which is a catalyst for maintaining your lean muscle mass, for your energy, all this good stuff you all really want. Second thing is when you're sleep deprived, you automatically get a sharp uptick in the amount of cortisol your body's producing. And cortisol recently in our in our society has been drugged through the mud, given a bad name. But I liken cortisol to being like the Incredible Hulk in the Avengers. And it's not necessarily the nicest guy, but it helped the team to win. But if the world was full of Incredible Hawks, then everything would probably go to hell in a handbasket pretty quickly. You know, so it's having the right balance of cortisol and the, and the right secretions. That it's called a cortisol rhythm. And so when your cortisol gets elevated, here's what happens. Number one, you're going to have a, mus- a loss of your lean muscle mass. So what happens is there's something called gluconeogenesis, which essentially means creation of sugar. And this is to help to shuttle more energy to your limbs, you know, to your muscles, because your body's in this kind of stressed fight or flight state. So what it'll do is it'll break down your muscle tissue and turn it into glucose for this stress response. And muscle is your body's fat burning machinery. So if you're losing that stuff, you're automatically going to be at a deficit in being able to burn fat and have the body that you want. So sleep deprivation equals elevated cortisol, and we don't want that. One last one I'll share really quickly is, and so since we're staying on track with the hormones, everybody's heard of melatonin now. And melatonin, this is so important, everybody, so important. Melatonin might be the most powerful endogenously produced anti-cancer hormone that we make. All right, so our bodies make it and it it defends our our tissues and our DNA from mutation. And so there was a really remarkable study done with nurses and they found that uh, nurses who work the overnight shift have over 30% greater incidence of breast cancer. And we saw those same consistencies in firefighters who work overnight, other medical professionals who work overnight, the, uh, the community of physicians, police officers, and seeing uh, chronically elevated levels of uh, of cortisol, of heart disease, cancers, and the World Health Organization has come out and actually said that shift work, so working overnight, is a class two A carcinogen. Right, it's a cancer causing agent. So the more out of alignment that you are with your body's clock and with what all of nature is doing, because we can get on the internet and do the laptop lap dance at two o'clock in the morning, the more that's going to show up in a breakdown of our physical appearance and also the manifestation of illnesses that we can really avoid by getting our sleep dialed in. Right. And many people have fallen into these unhealthy patterns, unhealthy routines when it comes to their sleep. What are some things that someone can do to restart that? You know, they've been living like this for a year. How long does it take to shift? And what are some tips? Ooh, okay. So Uh, Number one, we can stay on the same track with cortisol because I think it's really important. How can we actually reset our cortisol rhythm? And you can actually do this very quickly within the amount, within just a matter of days. And this is a super low hanging fruit and everybody can implement this starting like in the morning. And here's the big headline, Jess, is that a great night of sleep starts the moment that you wake up in the morning. Okay, a great night of sleep starts the moment that you wake up in the morning. So Appalachian State did a great uh, a great study and they broke exercises up into three different phases. 
Phase one, they had them train at 7 o'clock in the morning, so 7 a.m. Phase two of the study, they had them train exclusively at 1 p.m. in the afternoon. Phase three of the study, they had them train at 7 p.m. in the afternoon. At the end of the study, they found that when exercisers trained at 7 a.m., at 7 o'clock in the morning, they had more normalized sleep cycles, they slept longer, and they spent up to 75% more time in the deepest, most anabolic, rejuvenative stages of sleep simply from changing the time that you're training, right? And also, they had a 25% greater drop in their blood pressure in the evening, and that's correlated with better sleep as well. So how does this work? Well, essentially, it resets your cortisol rhythm by getting up and doing some activity. Your cortisol should be elevated at its peak between the hours of 6 a.m. and 8 a.m., and then gradually decline as the day goes on and bottom out in the evening. How this works to help us get better sleep is that Cortisol and melatonin have an inverse relationship. So when cortisol is up, melatonin is down. When melatonin's up, cortisol's down. So if your cortisol is high in the evening, your melatonin is going to be suppressed and you're not going to get, you can be physiologically passed out on your bed, but you're not going to go through your normal sleep cycles. So this is my, I'm imploring everybody to just get in some physical activity in the morning. This doesn't mean you have to hit the gym. You know, if you train in the afternoon, that's still okay. You just need to get five to 10 minutes of exercise in in the morning. This could be uh, four minutes of Tabata, you know, and then maybe like a little bit of stretching after that. I've got a mini trampoline here in my office. It's a rebounder. And NASA said it's the most powerful and effective exercise for human beings. And they're pretty smart. They're rocket scientists, <laughs> you know. So and also you can just go for a power walk, you know, 10 to 20 minutes. Listen to an amazing podcast like this one, you know. Um, there's so many different things. You could do some body weight exercises, but just have the audacity to get up and do some physical activity because you're going, your body's going to start to get entrained with it. And it's going to come to expect that and your cortisol is going to get reset so that you're more energized in the morning and you're actually tired in the evening because a big part of what's keeping us up is we're not tired at night because our cortisol is elevated and we're just like, I'm up, let's watch some stuff, you know? So that's one of the things we could do very quickly to help to reset this and get back on track. Right. Do you have any suggestions on that moment when we lie into in lie in bed and suddenly our entire to-do list comes rushing in and we get all of these ideas is there a way to prevent that but also what do we do in those moments when they do come up mm, yes okay so you know there's a quote that i also talk about that there my bed all right my bed is this magical place that i go to remember everything i was supposed to do you know and so <laughs> It's not supposed to be like that. You know, first of all, how to bypass that situation even coming up is to create a sleep sanctuary. You know, our bedroom, humans, even though we, like all of us right now, we think we're big adults, you know, but we have the same basic programming as we did when we were kids and we're constantly making neural associations. And so when we were kids, we had a bedtime ritual, you know, most of us. And even today we get ready for work, we get ready for um, for school. We get ready for a date, but we don't get ready for sleep anymore. You know, so it's really starting to entrain our and create these synaptic connections to, in essence, create these very strong neural associations to when I go into my bedroom, it's time for sleep or the other S. So sleep or sex is the two things your bedroom <laughs> should be primarily used for. But many of us have made it like the entertainment hub of our house. And so it's got the television, we're doing work in our bed, um, you know, we're on the laptop, we, you know, we're reading on our 
on our devices, sitting in our bed. So we're creating these different neural associations. So when you walk into your bedroom, your brain automatically, even you're like, yeah, it's, it's time to wind down and go to bed. It's like, no, when I go in here, it's time to get on my computer or it's right. time to watch TV, you know? And I, I'm, I know this because when I was a kid and I didn't have a TV in my bedroom, I thought I made it when I finally got a TV in my room. You know, it was like the hallmark of success. And so for a lot of us, it's just the dream, you know, like you got your big master bedroom, and you got your TV there. But for couples in particular, and this is a shout out to all the couples listening, uh, there was a really fantastic study done and they found that couples who have a television in their bedroom have 50% less sex than couples who don't have a TV in their bedroom. And so guys listening right now have literally paused this to go get the TV out of their bedroom. Uh, the ladies did as well. <laughs> you, ladies. And the but ladies. you know, especially yeah. in these couples were um, a little bit older, you know, so this is something that to consider because people, some people listening like, that's not a problem for us. Just wait, you know, mm -hmm. because it becomes a distraction and also uh, radically disrupts your sleep quality. And I just did a whole show on my show um, talking about how sleep impacts our relationships so deeply. And um, one really great study found that couples that they track for two weeks, when one person in the couple had a poor night of sleep, they were like 20% more likely to have an argument the next day and not have it resolved which is just a breeding ground for problems if you're not able to resolve conflicts. Right. And so why all this matters and how this is kind of happening is that when you're sleep deprived, your brain is actually getting less glucose. And, and according to research, it's 6% less energy is reaching your brain. But a big chunk of that is your prefrontal cortex, which loses about 14% of the energy reaching it. And your prefrontal cortex is the more, quote, human part of your brain. This is responsible for decision-making, for distinguishing between right and wrong, for your social control, not just saying or doing any random thing that pops up in your head. And I know many of us have done this late at night when we're sleep deprived and maybe drinking a little, you know, but, um, and then we have these regrets tomorrow. And sometimes we don't even remember stuff because uh, poor sleep quality blunts your REM sleep and your memory processing as well. I mean, sometimes so it feels like when you really haven't had sleep, it's like you're drunk. Yes. Oh my goodness. I actually wrote a chapter in the book about this and I called that um, essentially that sleep deprivation is the new vodka, you know, and seeing the correlation, it's shocking on uh, college students' performance on their tests are equivalent to being high on marijuana or, or binge drinking when they're sleep, simply sleep deprived, you know, and also there was a pretty dangerous test that was done uh, by the Mythbusters, you know, shout out to those guys and, you know, become really popular in our in our culture. But they said that it was the most dangerous test that they did was a driving test, a driving performance test while they were sleep deprived. And they actually, you know, they had a closed course, they had to have police there and they actually did worse on their driving than when they were um, at the legal limit for their blood alcohol. Wow. So it's equivalent, you know, so this is, yeah, we are in essence walking around and living in our life drunk, but there's not a test for that, right. you know, driving while sleepy or showing up to your work while sleepy or being in your relationship while sleepy. Sean, I, I have to share a story with you because I think it's relevant to what you're talking about. I shared this story with my brother Nick just offhand because we, we tend to catch up about life every day before we start talking about work. And he thought it was so great that he's told like five other people. Um... What happened was, so a few months ago, 
I was with with my fiance Lucas and we as you know we moved from California so there was a lot going on and we had to decide on every piece of furniture we had to look it up and think how much it cost Mm. how much we bought it for how much it cost to ship is it worth shipping is it worth buying new and we just had a ton of the stuff in the house so I'm doing all of this and there's like a million things to do and we get into bed and I start okay babe so I've been thinking about this and I start going through these like pros and cons and he looks at me all weird and I'm like, what? He's like, this isn't the time to solve a problem. This is the time to go to sleep. He's mm. like, I- I'm okay. Like we can we can solve this tomorrow, but like it's it's bedtime. And it made me laugh because it was like, he said it's so matter of fact, like, don't you know it's bedtime? Like this, <laughs> we don't worry at bedtime. We don't try to solve problems at bedtime, so it's bedtime. I told Nick and he thought it was hysterical and very representative of our relationship uh, but it's so true that you know I get in bed and I start to go all right well let's have these big conversations but just setting that rule of no actually this isn't the place for those big talks or to even solve problems it's a time to relax yes. it's so you know it's it almost sounds silly when you say it out loud but none of us are actually doing it I mean most yeah. of us are using that time to have that big discussion or try to solve problems Right. You just said it. And that's such a great example because he sounds kind of childish, you know, in in a way that, you know, are more adult. But we see the results of our adult activities like, you know, we're struggling with our weight. We're struggling with our health. We're struggling with our performance at work. We're struggling in our relationships. And most of that is actually tied to our sleep quality. And for that busy mind. So number one is doing just that, which is creating that neural association to when I'm in my bedroom, this is a sleep sanctuary. This is a mm-hmm. place of peace, relaxation. We're not bringing problems into this room. You know, we'll, we'll, we talk about that stuff out, you know, in the kitchen or whatever. Um, so that's number one. Number two is when we have that kind of busy mindedness. And so what we, what we call it is a, a lot of inner chatter, right? If somebody has a lot of inner chatter, first of all, I want to let you know that it's okay. You know, a lot of people think that it's a problem because their mind is always going. In actuality, you're one of the most well-equipped human beings to exist today where we've got a thousand things to do and your brain is able to process more than the average bear, you know. But at the same time, with all of those windows open, with all of those tabs open on the computer screen of your mind, you want to be able to minimize that stuff when it's time for bed and just keep one window open, which is the sleep window. And how do you do that? Well, we really dive in deep and we talk about this because I'm a very analytical person. And so I, I of course, like to experiment and, and find out firsthand, but also just digging into the research to find out, first of all, if something does stack up, you know, but how does it work also? And so right now, I know this for certain, and you're hearing it here at Verse, but a lot of people that are listening, especially to your show, are going to know this already. But Within the next five to 10 years, just like yoga became a phenomenon, it was first this kind of fringe, there was a yoga studio here and there, you're gonna to start to see a lot more meditation studios. You're gonna to start to see a lot more uh, meditation programs at gyms, at churches, at um, community centers, at work. You're gonna see a lot more of this because the the data is so thick, it, it makes no sense whatsoever. And we are truly missing out on something so valuable if we're not employing this strategy. And I really like to call it brain training because what's happening here is 
And so there was a really wonderful study done, and I cited this one in the book, but they found that individuals who were put into a meditation program, so this was eight weeks, were able to increase their sleep latency, <clears throat> increase their total sleep time, uh, improve their, um, improve their, making sure that basically sleep after sleep onset. So they're not waking up as frequently, uh, improving their sleep cycles and also lowering their levels of depression simply by doing meditation in the morning. So the research found that doing meditation in the morning was helping people to sleep better in the evening. That was a pretty awe-inspiring thing about, you know, that kind of headline, which is a great night of sleep starts the moment you wake up in the morning. But it's really meditation during any time is starting to retrain your ability to just focus. It's not about not having thoughts. It's being able to focus on one thing. And so when we're laying down at night, we want to focus on just letting go. We want to focus on relaxing. We want to focus on sleep. Just relax. You know, and it's much easier and built into your built into your in your cells really when you're able to have a meditation process or practice to be able to turn down close some of those windows and to get some great sleep so this is another call out to everybody if you're not already doing this to employ a consistent meditation practice you know again five to ten minutes on a consistent basis if you're somebody who's not just going to sit there in a cross-legged position um humming a mantra that's one way of doing it but you can also do guided meditations um, Headspace is really popular right now, like apps, things like that. You can do uh, binaural beats. You know, there's Holosync is a program out there, very, very effective. There's so many different things, but we've got to start adding this in because our world is not getting any less busy. Yes, absolutely. And I do have to do a shout out to tapping because that as well can be so effective just yes. to give yourself the, a, a space to give a voice to what's bothering you in order to let it go. It's so powerful for sleep. So, Sean, you've helped a lot of people. I mean, this book is it's a big book. There's a lot of tips. Is there a tip that you have found that most people find surprising? Mm, of course, there's so many, so many. The most interesting and fun chapter for me uh, writing this book was the chapter on fix your gut to fix your sleep. Mm-hmm. And wow, it, I mean, it blew my mind, the research, and it all, but it all made sense. It's just we don't put the pieces together. And so one of the biggest takeaways is that serotonin, a lot of people are talking about serotonin today as well. So cortisol is a big catch word. It's made to be this bad guy, but it's really not. It's just misunderstood. And serotonin is made to be this really kind of glorified antidepressant neurotransmitter. And serotonin definitely is that. It does, it does hold up some weight there. But we often think it has to do with our brain. When in actuality, about 95% of our serotonin is located in our gut. All right. Wow. I did not know that. Yes. Amazing. And so serotonin is this kind of feel-good neurotransmitter, but uh, a lot of medications that are geared towards depression, so antidepressants, are serotonin reuptake inhibitors, which basically uh, help for serotonin to stay in your system longer, essentially saying that your problem is with serotonin. You have a serotonin deficiency, even though 99% of the time they're not running any tests to find this out. It's just based on a conversation, but that's a whole nother topic. (laughs) So here's why this matters with sleep is that serotonin is a precursor for melatonin. All right, again, this get good sleep hormone that a lot of people are aware of today. And if serotonin is not there doing its job, you're going to have a natural disruption in your body's ability to process and to use melatonin properly. So 
we want to take care of the cells in our gut. So the microbiome, and I cited some research that found that the bacteria in particular in your gut communicate with the cells that produce the serotonin. And so this speaks to how important having the right environment or microbiome in your belly is. And also, so here's one other really kind of shocking thing is that melatonin. So even myself, so for years, I've been in clinical practice, in clinical practice for over a decade, but five years really studying sleep and implementing this in my practice. Three years I had no about no idea about this, but melatonin is and this is what we all have been thinking for so many years, but everybody's going to get the big uh, check-in today about this, is it's produced by your pineal gland, all right? Your, quote, third eye, all right? So here's the issue. Four, there's 400 times more melatonin in your gut than in your pineal gland, all right? So it's not the pineal gland. You can actually have a pinealectomy where they remove your pineal gland and your levels of melatonin remain relatively the same. I'm not recommending doing that though. <laughs> Don't go and just do that. But it's just speaking to the fact, again, how important your gut health is in the microbiome. Because So here's what the kind of strategy and tip to, to really harness the power of this is to take care of what's going on in our belly. So things like um, chlorinated water, you know, chlorine, uh, pesticides and rodenticides, fungicides, so things that are you know conventional foods, um, processed foods, additives, chemicals, dyes, all this stuff has been clinically proven, everything I've just said, to disrupt the function of your microbiome. That hands itself over to disruption, disrupting the function or production of your serotonin and melatonin. So we want to avoid things that damage our gut and automatically we're going to have improvement in our sleep. And a lot of people have realized this, is that when they started eating better, they started to sleep better and they started feeling better. And all kind of, but we, we didn't pay attention to how good the sleep was. You know, it's just like, oh, I've been eating better, so I'm feeling better. Well, actually, sleep is where everything's changing. And we also want to add in more good sleep nutrients on a regular basis. So uh, the journal Sleep actually uh, published some research showing that potassium helps for individuals who have trouble with staying asleep once they fall asleep. So you might have issues with your potassium or the metabolism of it because maybe you're not getting it in best sources. A lot of people automatically, you're going to think about bananas. Well, that sugar might be a problem. So avocados are a much better source, green leafy vegetables. There's a sea veggie called dulse, which is probably the highest source of potassium. So getting plenty of good sleep nutrients in on a regular basis and feeding your microbiome with prebiotics. So this is like onions and garlic and Jerusalem artichoke and things like that. And also fermented foods as well. So like pickles and sauerkraut and kimchi to help to create a really healthy and vigorous digestion is going to actually help you to sleep a lot better. And this is a big topic. And, you know, this is why this is one of the biggest chapters in the book. And we detail everything and also make it fun because there's so many different pieces to metabolize. But um, this is something that people definitely are going to start to pay a lot more attention to as the book is getting out there and getting bigger and getting to more people. Right. It makes a lot of sense. I want to talk about a uh, nighttime routine. You did say that good sleep starts in the morning, but when we notice the sun begin to go down, are there any things that anything that we could do to help set us up for an even better night's sleep? Absolutely. Yes, definitely. Um, there's, there, there are so many things, but we've got to find the things that work for us and fit into our routine. So the first thing I'm going to share is something that's a little bit, uh, it might seem un unusual, but doing some body work or massage in the evening could be really effective. Even self-massage or acupressure 
or acupuncture as well. And of course, tapping is going to be in that domain. So powerful. So here's the, here's the, the deal. Here's the rub with this. We see now mas- massage, and I know you've seen this too. There are massage um, companies popping up everywhere, right? The franchises, you know, the massage envies and massage lux, and also seeing it built into chiropractic offices and physical therapy offices. Massage is booming right now. And for actually thousands of years, it was a, a part of clinical practice. You know, Hippocrates the father of modern medicine, as we call him, he said that uh, the physician must be skilled in many practices, but most assuredly skilled in the practice of rubbing, right? So he was talking about massage. And it actually fell out of favor in medical practice uh, around the 1970s when much more powerful pain medications came to the forefront. And so it just kind of fell out of favor. But it popped up and kind of sprouted its own legs really working in the athletic field, right? The field of athletics and training. And from there, it's kind of spread out to the population at large to the degree that uh, over 10% of the population get a massage at least once a month now, which is really substantial. But we're all missing this. And so here's why it works with sleep, is that massage triggers your body to secrete more serotonin, all right? That kind of you know, antidepressant hormone is a precursor for melatonin, but also it triggers your body to secrete more oxytocin, which is known as the, quote, cuddle hormone. And so oxytocin has been found to uh, diminish or block the effects of cortisol, all right? So it's a buffer against stress, that stress hormone that you don't want swimming around in the evening, all right? So get a massage from your partner, you know, five or 10 minutes, or you could do self-massage, you know, like uh, it's really great for doing some massage with your feet by just pushing your foot down on a lacrosse ball and doing a little bit of that for maybe five, 10 minutes as part of your evening ritual. Uh, a lot of people have foam rollers now, so you could break that out. But Dr. Kelly Starrett, who we had a conversation about this, and I actually cited him in the book as well, um, New York Times bestselling author of Sup- Becoming a Supple Leopard, all right? <laughs> Sounds crazy, it's a big textbook. It's, if you're not a nerd, just don't even open it because it's so much you know, kind of technical stuff in there. But uh, he does a practice or recommends this practice called gut smashing. Bad name, but it works. <laughs> yeah, right? th- that doesn't seem like it's going to put me to sleep. Here's why this works. <laughs> so basically, you're going to use a princess ball, you know, like those little kind of rubber balls that you might find in a bin at like Target or Walmart or something. Mm-hmm. And make sure that it's not f- like fully inflated, just has a little bit of give to it. And you're going to get lay down on that ball, put it under your belly, and you're going to put your weight onto it and just kind of move around a little bit and work on that, you know, the fascia and that kind of, the, the cross-linking that can happen with your tissues, with your muscle tissue, and start to kind of open some of that stuff up. And also what's in there is your vagus nerve that runs from your gut to your brain. And once you can get a kind of um, triggering or activation of your vagus nerve, it immediately, it's like a parasympathetic hack. So your parasympathetic nervous system is your wet rest and digest system. It's the opposite of fight or flight, opposite of cortisol. You can turn that on by massaging in that area, which is really, really interesting. And people that do it find that this is definitely the case. So some self-massage, acupressure. I even talk about a specific acupressure point and give a diagram in the book that has been found clinically to increase uh, melatonin production, better yet, melatonin assimilation, 
because it doesn't matter how much you're producing if you're not using it. And also, of course, EFT is fantastic. Um, so that's one really great thing we can add into our evening ritual. But the more important thing for us to talk about is not suppressing melatonin in the evening by making this grave mistake, which is being on our tech devices without protection. What is protection? All right. So <laughs> first of all, this sounds like sex, right? Yeah, here. right. Sounds like, <laughs> yeah. you know, let's talk about, yeah. Anyway, so here's the deal. At night, we've evolved with a certain spectrum or um, a certain rhythm of things we were exposed to, you know? And so as the day would go on, even just a hundred years ago, when the lights go out on the planet, it's dark, you know, like it's just dark unless we have that glow of fire or lamps or things like that, you know, using fire. But we've, we've kind of changed things in the last decades, especially uh, with the advent of television and of course, our laptops and now our smartphones that all of us have cl in close proximity pretty much all the time. And so according to research, like 80% of 18 to 24-year-olds sleep within two feet of their phone. And many of them, it's on their pillow or under their pillow. So we've changed in our relationship with our tech devices. And the issue is that uh, Harvard researchers found that your tech device, so being on your computer for an amount of time, you know, just say for an hour, before bed can blunt your melatonin production or secretion for about three hours, right? So it might take three full hours for melatonin to get produced normally when you're on your device before you go to bed. So why is that? Well, as we're talking, full disclosure, I love my iPhone. Love it. <laughs> I love my laptop because I can, I'm looking at uh, you right now, your photo as we're doing the interview. And this is awesome. It allows us to connect. You know, and I, I wrote my book on a device, you know, and so this is important and it helps for us to connect. Here's the issue, though, is that this is signaling your brain, in particular, the blue light spectrum to produce more daytime hormones because your physiology doesn't know the difference between, oh, it's it's daytime and nighttime. If it's staring into this light that's very similar to sunlight and it's triggering your brain to produce more daytime hormones, namely cortisol. So what do we do? Number one, I'll tell you right now, let me actually, I got, I've got my iPhone right here and there's a new download for the new updates with the, with the iPhone and the, the new iOS. And they actually now, because this information and a lot of people listening to, uh, to this already know about this, but the information is so startling and how this suppresses our sleep quality that the iPhone has added in a new feature and it's called Night Shift. And you just push this little button and boom, it pulls out the most damaging spectrum of light from your screen at night and it puts it back automatically during the daytime. And so it's, in essence, it cools off your screen. There are other things like this for your laptops and your computers called Flux, F.LUX. And you can just go to Google, type in F.LUX. It's a free app. I've been using it for probably three years. It's fantastic. It works easy by itself. You just double click a couple times, boom, it's set up and it pulls out that spectrum of light automatically based on the time of year, your time zone, and puts it back in. And you can turn it off easily if you wanna be able to see a, a design or something, if somebody's doing some work for you or whatever. Um, but it's gonna help to, and people who use it notice immediately an improvement in their sleep quality because their melatonin isn't getting suppressed as much. The best thing to do is to give yourself a screen curfew. 
you know, to be off of your devices, I recommend 90 minutes before you plan on going to bed. And that can be tough for us today because again, our we're, we're really addicted to our device and that, that connection that we have because of something I break down in the book. But the bottom line is, it's okay. You know, we got to use these hacks, but if we can find something of equal or greater value to fill that time with. So, you know, connecting with your boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse, fiance, uh, connecting with your parents, your your family, your best friends, you know, playing some games, whatever it might be, it's important to fill that with something because just trying to gold cold turkey, like, you know, this expert, you know, I found out all this amazing information about how sleep is impacting my weight loss. And so I want to get this stuff dialed in. And you try to go cold turkey and you put your phone in the other room for 90 minutes and you just sit there twiddling your thumbs, you're going to get the internet jitters for sure. <laughs> like you're going to be tweaking and you're going to probably scratch in your neck like, oh my goodness. <laughs> so, you know, and you're going to get that whole scenery. Don't do that to yourself. You've got to replace it with something of greater value, uh, which is what I recommend. And or make sure you're using these protection methods. And the final protection method is getting yourself some uh, blue blocking glasses, all right? There's some cool ones out there, then there's some not so cool ones. But this is one of those things, I just did an interview with uh, Shalene Johnson and we were doing the interview at her house and she's just a powerhouse lady. And so she's got this uh, Facebook Live, like million people, it was bananas. Like it was like 2000 comments within the first hour of doing the video, but she has it all set up. She's got this amazing like cool light and somebody told me it's called the Diva Light. So I was using the Diva Light with her. And we were talking about these glasses and I happened to have them with me. So I broke them out and I put them on and immediately everybody saw the blue, like the glasses that have these orange, um, the orange lenses, immediately they turned blue because the blue light wasn't able to penetrate them. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was so cool. And everybody was able to see that. So the ones that I use, they're called Swannies, all right, Swannies. And so uh, people can actually look into those at um, themodelhealthshow.com forward slash glasses. So those, that's where uh, I connected with the guy because I loved them. And because also I experimented with a bunch of other ones. And one, the one that I wore for the longest, it looked like I just came from building a birdhouse, you know? And so when people would come over like, what, are you from the future? You know, and so... Um, the Swannies were much cooler. They look great, but they also, they have the most effective lens that I've ever seen. So, yep. That's awesome. Sean, this is what I love about you. You've given us so many tips. I mean, just like, I feel like this is an interview that people are going to have to listen to more than once because you were just, you were just passing up, you know, passing us all this information so generously. And the book is fantastic. And there's so much more in the book and you go into a lot more detail. So if someone wants to pick up your book uh, and also check out your show, which you mentioned, where can they go to do that? Awesome. So the book is everywhere books are sold. So you can pick it up at Amazon or you can pick it up at Barnes and Noble uh, online or you can head to the traditional store and pick up a copy. If they happen to be sold out, they're sold out at a few places right now. Just demand that they get it back <laughs> to the store. Um, so you can pick the book up pretty much anywhere. But also we've got a couple of bonuses at sleepsmarterbook.com. And also even the Swannies, the, the glasses that I mentioned, there are a bunch of great resources because there's different things that I talked about today and way more things in the book. And we've got a bonus resource guide that comes along with the book. So uh, when you grab your copy of Sleep Smarter, you'll get access to the bonus resource guide with all kinds of cool things that can help you to really navigate 
this, um, this really interesting terrain with getting great sleep. And it's going to translate over to improving the quality of your health, your appearance, your relationships, and also the success in your life for, for certain. And my podcast is called The Model Health Show. And you can listen the same place you're listening to this amazing interview with my, with my bestie. And um, you can also listen at our website, which is themodelhealthshow.com. And of course, it's always great talking with you. You're one of my favorite people. So Aww. thank you for having me on. You are one of my favorite people. Thank you so much. This is great. Mm-hmm.